0: This is Scoreline Extra, the podcast that condenses down some of the interviews that we conducted on our flagship sports show at the weekend, Scoreline. This week, we're going to hear from a vast array of different sports, including hurling with Shamrocks manager Pat Hoban, Carlo Camogie with Linda Kenny, Olympic sailing with Ben Akeri's Finn Lynch, boxing with Gary Kyo, and a whole lot more. First up, we're going to start with Pat Hoban.
1: Now I'm delighted to say that I'm joined on the line by Ballyhale Shamrocks manager Pat Holman to look back on last Sunday's All-Ireland between Limerick and Kilkenny and look forward to the start of the Kilkenny Senior Hurling League, which of course begins next weekend. Pat, thanks for joining me today. How are you?
2: All good, Robbie. Good to talk.
1: Pat, as I just said, we are going to look forward to what is going to be yet again another exciting hurling League and Championship in Kilkenny. But before that, the end of the inter-county season, we discussed the All-Ireland semi-final with you a couple of weeks back against Clare. The All-Ireland final didn't go our way. What did you make of it, and particularly that second-half performance from Limerick?
2: Yeah, I suppose you put it in a nutshell there, that second-half performance uh, from Limerick. Uh, you know, one of the, one of the all-time great performances, I suppose, in the second half. I think 21 points—it's phenomenal, hitting in any half of Ireland, let alone in a in all Ireland. But to give our lads credit, I suppose they were still in that game, which you know, almost on the 60 minutes mark. Um, a couple of small things didn't go our way. A couple of goal chances, maybe that we could have could have snuck another one in, if not two. The 65 decision could have put the game back to a point, maybe with 10, 12 minutes to go. So all these little little things add up, and. Uh, you know, once Limerick got their nose in front, we struggled to to win that primary possession and their shooting was sublime and you know, they just, just got unbelievable scores.
1: Did you see that second half performance coming not just at half time, but particularly after the Paddy Deegan goal? I'm sure a lot of Kilkenny supporters would have had not just hope, but maybe even mild expectation that we could go on and actually do this.
2: Yeah, like the, the lads put in a tremendous first half, and I suppose the only disappointment was those couple of points just before half time. You know, you were nearly wi- willing the ref to blow it up, and and those couple of points narrowed the gap. So you're always heading into that second half. um, breathing Limerick's back. It was going to be a, a, a challenge for us. I knew that, but yeah, when Paddy got the goal, you're saying, "Wow, you know, this 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 could be on. This is a a real boost." But Limerick gave a fantastic reaction to the goal that he gave back two or three points within minutes of it you know which negated that, that boost but um, yeah no there was there were definitely opportunities there where you felt this could be our day alright
1: and obviously now they, they have achieved the four in a row matching the great Kilkenny team from 2006 to 2009 They're uh, needless to say they're one of the great hurling teams of all time but how impressed have you been by Limerick not just in last Sunday's performance but over the last five, six years since they won that first All-Ireland back in 2018
2: Ah, uh, look, they, they, they've you know the amazing thing is they've they've done it with uh, the majority of the same players, but uh, it's not that they have a very small panel or, or that they're working off of you know fourteen or fifteen. If anything, they, they've grown their panel in the, in the last year, which is really worrying going forward. So, um, you know, I've, I've heard it discussed about these particular players. Why are they on it? They're on it because they're, they're still playing well. They're still the best players, and they're still producing the goods. So they have been phenomenal. I suppose during the COVID years, some of the games it's hard to judge, you know, atmosphere, crowds, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But if anything, their their system has got got better. They're better at it. Their their, their physical conditioning was obviously great, but it, it, if anything, they've improved, and we've seen it the last couple of games. You know, they they seem to finish stronger than all teams, and um, the final was very much a replica of their game with Galway, where similarly Galway went at them and Limerick soaked it up and just came back and and um, you know just they couldn't be lived
1: with That's Limerick for Kilkenny it's the same outcome as last year losing an all ireland final to Limerick how would you reflect on the season seems to be a lot of positive energy around Derek Ling and the work that he's done throughout 2023
2: Yeah I suppose the beauty of being from Kilkenny is that we have such high expectations and high standards that um, you know what we've achieved is actually phenomenal like we got to a league final won the fourth Leinster title in a row and got to an All Ireland final. Like I think, if almost any other county achieved those results, they would see it as an unbelievable year. But the the standard here is higher. The expectation is that we need to be winning. Um, so yeah, like that. Absolutely, the standard hasn't dropped. We've maintained those standards, uh, maintained those winning achievements, as I, as I mentioned there. So. It's the next stage, I suppose. Limerick just seem to have that edge on everybody. I know they had a couple of tight encounters in, in in Munster, but the longer they stay in us when they get to Crow Park, they seem to really, really uh, express themselves there. So I think Kilkenny definitely made strides this year. You know, next year will be different. I think you know we might see some change in personnel on the team, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but look, that's that that's sport.
1: There, there's an argument to be made that this team has been building. Maybe even since 2019 when they defeated Limerick in that All Ireland semi-final, but certainly since the start of Leinster wins since 2020, that it has kind of been getting better and better. And over the last two years, they've solidified themselves as the next best place team behind Limerick. You alluded to it there. They've made a lot of steps. How hard is it going to be to take that next step and actually dethrone what we are looking at currently?
2: Yeah, that's a million dollar question. There, <laughs> obviously, I'd love to have the answer. Um, you know as I said we're not going to get a crack at Limerick until the latter end, end of a championship they seem to be more vulnerable maybe, maybe vulnerable is the wrong word but they, they seem to have closer games in those earlier rounds so you know please God maybe they get taken out in Munster because by the time they get to the All-Ireland semi-finals they really have got their, their gander up from a Kilkenny perspective is their learnings from the loss Absolutely, absolutely. There is. Is there things we could do slightly different, slightly better? I think the management team will sit down and go. Yes, yeah, maybe we could have done this. Maybe we could have used substitutions better. Maybe we could, have, you know, all the, all the ifs and the buts after the event. But I think, you know, you'll have a lot of people saying, you know, should we have started this player or not started? I think on the day, Limerick just had that had that little bit extra gear that they that they found at the right time, you know. So, uh, but yeah, look. Every team is beatable, we know that ourselves, our great team, um, came to an end as well. So it can happen, it can happen, absolutely. And to keep everybody's feet on the ground, keep them disciplined, keep them motivated, that'll be a challenge for Limerick going forward as well.
1: Now that the inter-county stuff is over, before we move on to the club side of things, Pat, a lot of discussion this year around the style of hurling throughout the course of the league, but particularly into the championship. Do you have an opinion on that and is it as easy on the eye as it would have been maybe even five, ten years ago?
2: Um, you know, it's like, I know nothing about rugby, but I know from talking to people who do, you know, if you're a rugby person, you love the scrum. You know, it mightn't look pretty for the average punter, but if you're into it and understand the techniques and the, the factors that it provides, it's a huge part of the game for a lot of genuine rugby people who understand the rules. And, uh, you know, I think rugby is a perfect game that... Has become very, very systematic. You know, it's set plays and as a spectacle at times, it looks very, very, um, you know, almost like a war zone. But, you know, if you understand the game and you like it, it's unbelievable stuff. And I think hurling is a little bit the same. Is that Yes, it's changed. Um, the skill level, if anything, I think has gone up. It has to be better. Your use of the ball has to be so good. You know, you no longer can be a cornerback that just pulls and drags you've got to be able to take a poke out you've got to be able to carry the ball you've got to be able to use it so the skill level in general has gone up the fitness levels has gone up so in a way that, that creates less time on the ball you know and um, if anything that's probably more of the, the reason is that players just don't have time like they're being closed down the intensity is, is played at such a high level for so long every every second every minute of the game so it, it's much much harder for players to find space Um. No, I really admire. I mean, Limerick have led this. Like, people forget that Kilkenny, in my opinion, are the catalyst for this change of hurling. Teams realised they couldn't beat us playing standard hurling, hitting the ball long, hitting puckers on our own half back line, uh, going man on man with our, our forwards. So teams evolved and said, "Hold on, we won't poke the ball long. We'll change it up." And Dublin were probably the first team to do that. I remember. Danny Sutcliffe taking pokeouts poke outs and their half back line running at us. So this's been evolving now for ten years. I think that was two thousand thirteen when 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 Dublin beat us. You know, so this has been evolving and Limerick just brought it to a, a newer and higher level. Like the 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 execution, like that was a wet wet windy day last Sunday and to hit twenty one points, like and his I don't know, the stats, but very, very few wides, that takes unbelievable skill. So, um no, I I, I I'm I I love it anyway so uh I'm sure you you have some people who disagree but uh, I think it's it's great to watch and great to train read the strategy of it and, and plan against it and stuff like
1: that yeah. and of course you'll be doing that now when the Kilkenny Hurling League starts next weekend your first game in the defence of your title is up against Glenmore that's Saturday August 5th at 2 o'clock in Parknasham Rogue how much are you looking forward to getting back out there and defending that 5th consecutive title of course that you were a part of last year
2: yeah it's it's uh, we actually just submitted a bit of we had a training session last night. Now that was our first time together, believe it or not, with, with the panels since the All-Ireland. It's sort of incredible. That's six months. So I don't think there's many clubs that face that situation where you're waiting six months to get your, your players in the field. Uh, and that's a, a reflection, I suppose, of the success of the club and the particular players involved and and, and their um, involvement with Kilkenny. We've also a lot of players like... like other clubs gone off to the states, etc. For the summer, so it's you know it's been been a challenging couple of months in the period. But it, it's brilliant to get back now. it Really focuses the mind again, and um, you know the, thankfully uh, Glenmore and the tossed for the match. Um, Ballahill won that game, so it's great to be playing their first game in in the home pitch, and I'm sure. And more, Moore, uh, who are managed by local Ballet hailman, Bob Elbert, will be coming, uh, seeing, seeing this as an opportunity. They, you know, he'll know we haven't a huge amount of time together, so they'll be seeing this as an opportunity to, to, to take a scalp
1: You mentioned there that there's not a lot of time. It's such a unique club to look at from the outside, but also such a unique club to manage, I would have thought. What's it like having all of those players not just be part of a Kilkenny panel, but be a key part of a starting 15, and then have to bring them and integrate them back into the club side of things? Is there a bit of a transition period there, or has it become seamless in a sense?
2: Well, it's fantastic to have players of, of that uh, ability at your disposal. You know, I think everybody in any sport uh, dealing with the best is obviously the the place to be. Um, in, you know, we talk about the split season and I suppose the split season, it it, it has its, its, its merits definitely. And I suppose the beauty of it is that when the players are back, they're back. The, the downside, if there is, for particularly, I suppose, Valley Hill players, I remember hearing Ger Heger, Ger, uh, Gerard Hager being interviewed last year and he said, like, oh, he was delighted, he's such a break and he's back playing golf. And, you know, I think these club were beaten possibly in August, you know what I mean? Like, very early in the championship. Um, if you take the Ballet boys, you know, they're back. They're just off the back of an All-Ireland defeat. We have a club match next week, matches for three weeks, five weeks. If you progress, you're into... Uh, championship, if you into Leinster, regressor into an All Ireland series. Like this year, the lads went straight from that into National League, Leinster Championship. So it's it's very very challenging for players who have both successful county and club career. And you know what they do is phenomenal. Like I have great admiration for just how they stay doing it. It's incredible. It really is incredible. So that if there is a challenge, it's that. You're obviously trying to give players an opportunity to rest and fillers pressure on to win the game. So it's a, it's a real balance.
1: And now that you're going for six in a row, there's always been chat, and I know maybe you can't allude to this too much, but that Ballyhale, they tend to know when to peak. You know, I think you finished third in the group last year, came through the first round of the championship, and from there were in brilliant form all the way to not just the county final win, but of course that all Ireland final win. Is that something you speak about consciously within the camp, to, to know when to perform, or is it just from that first game against Glenmore on Saturday all the way through, you try to be at your best every single minute of every single game?
2: Yeah, I don't think anybody goes out not to win any game. Do you know what I mean? So obviously, you know, next weekend, we'll be be going out to win and they're going out to win every game and that's what makes them phenomenal. Uh, It doesn't always go your way. You know, you are working off of of relatively tight numbers so availability of certain players could be a problem. That could cost you... On, on, a, on a given day, there's not a switch. You know, there's absolutely not a switch that 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 suddenly could be turned on. But there is a focus. You know, they 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 obviously know how to win, and they realise what you got to do to win. Um, but but there is no switch. So, you know, from next weekend's, we'll be hoping to get off to a win without a doubt, absolutely
1: managers will always try to leave their imprint in teams I suppose but you were walking into a job last year where they're off the back of four county titles in a row had won a couple of All-Irelands under Henry Shefflin as well and have been hyper successful before you came in there and obviously ever since as well did you have to be More careful in your thinking in this job compared to maybe jobs of the past in terms of knowing that there's been a successful template and platform in place over the last number of years. Was it more of a continuation job rather than maybe scrap it and start afresh?
2: Yeah, look, as I said there a moment ago, you're working with some of the, the best players in, in the country and the most successful club team in, in, in Ireland. So, you know, you're not going to go in and change the wheel dramatically. I suppose the, the biggest job for us coming in was to try and freshen things up a little bit. Just, just you know, um, keep it interesting, keep it enjoyable, you know, try and motivate the players in a little bit different way. Obviously, you're trying to tweak small little things, you know, you're... Analyzing opposition as best as you can, you're trying to bring some new ideas to it. But you know, you're not changing the wheel dramatically, no. And and uh, you know, you get one chance with these players, and if you if you, um, I suppose, if you don't deliver, they see through that very very quickly. So you know, it, it's an absolute privilege to be working with players like that. But but you got to trust them as well, and you got to build up your trust, their trust in you.
1: What did it mean for you to be the manager of the first ever team to win five in a row Uncle Kenny widely regarded across the country as the most competitive county championship in Ireland?
2: Oh, well look I think I think I just <laughs> you know, lots of people would always say maybe I'm just lucky but no we have we've a management team I'm, I wouldn't call myself the manager per se I might, might talk a bit more than the others but <laughs> James Marr and I Lacey we have a really good good group of uh, of lads together Sean Holden um, Siobhan Kennedy the backroom setup up uh, is excellent our medical team is, is, is right up there so I know this is a, a massive team effort of people bringing lots of different skill sets together and then you you know you our job as they say is to enable the players to, to go out and perform and uh, so no look it's a dream come true for anybody involved in Hurland to be involved with a team like that to be the end of a five in a row that's just the look of, the, of timing it's not a uh, you know I, I don't think they last year was a big year for the club it was an anniversary year they were creating history so look we'll have to come up with a, a, a new motivation for this year but uh, these guys like winning
1: and then I just want one more reflection on 2023 uh, of course in which he won the All-Ireland but last season as such to win the All-Ireland title to be part, to be a manager of a team that goes on the whole way to Croke Park and win an All-Ireland that must have been something extra special for you as well and for the management team as you say
2: yeah, you know, obviously winning, it is a results-based business, everybody, and, and, you know, there's probably too much uh, praise given to management teams when you win and too, too harsh and, uh, when you lose. And, you know, you'll see that last weekend. You no, know, if Kilkenny to win, Derek and the lads would be faced to the highest and when you lose it, so we, what could we have done different, et cetera, et cetera. So winning in all areas, that, that that's the goal when you get that far, Um you know, and it was always a risky game because the, the semi-final was a huge occasion for the lads. You know, the chance to get a crack at Valley Gunner, who'd beaten them in that narrowest way the previous year. So that was a huge, huge challenge. And the game, they really played well and rose to... And then the, the final, final was always going to be like, geez, hey, look, we just can't slip up here. This is a game we have to win. You know, he put ourselves in this position. Uh, and um, it was really a case of get the job done and maybe on the day we didn't play our absolute best hurling. it was about but we just got to get a result here we got to get over the line and uh, that's what they did
1: certainly did and it all begins next weekend as I said again uh, against Glenmore Saturday at 2 o'clock uh, in Parknasham Rogue for people that are interested in getting to the game can you get excited ahead of it Pat or do you just have to be purely focused on what's coming up knowing that every single team in the county are all kind of gunning for you <laughs>
2: Yeah, oh no, and I'm like there's I think it's going to be a really good championship this year. we spoke earlier about uh these games we've coming up. I mean, you just look at the the opposite group, you know, you have some really, really big hitters in that and uh as we know the way our championship is structured, if you finish in the top two you you make it to a quarter final, but if you've finished third or fourth, you're potentially um picking a really, really challenging first round for yourself there looking at the opposition. I think you're looking at teams in the other group you have you might have it there. You have Dixborough. You have Tullerone, You have O'Lacklands. Oh, you have Munlava. Yeah. You have Clara. You have Dainsford. So, like, there's going to be a lot of really solid teams, um, not in the top two. So, if ever there's motivation to 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 come out of your group, I think it's very much there for for um, for us this year. You know.
1: Well, Pat Holman, we wish you the best of luck with the kilkenny hurling League next yeah. weekend and um, thanks for joining me today and as I said, uh, best wishes with everything to come this season.
2: Thanks Robbie, thank you.
0: Championship. The semi-finals have been set. We know who's going up against who and it's a repeat of last year's semi-finals. How Gales will play at Mount Leinster Rangers next weekend and Ballinkillen Killen will go up against the defending county champions St Mullins. <laughs> St Mullins are proving to be a very, very formidable side again this year as is Mount Leinster Rangers. Uh, posting up big scores yesterday but a uh, Truly enthralling match occurred on Friday night between Bagmanstown and Ballin-Killen. Joining me now on the line is Ballin-Killen captain Mr. Dion Wall. Dion, how do we find you today? Nice and recovered after Friday's encounter.
3: Ah, yeah, nice and recovered now. Back in the field there this morning, anyway. Uh, dust off the cobwebs and get ready for next weekend.
0: Yeah, I suppose it's been a very quick turnaround time frame from when games started to getting into the semi-finals. It just seemed like we were at the launch in Netwatch Cullen Park and then, boom, we're here at the semis.
3: Yeah, that's it. The games come ticking fast, especially like if we're short on numbers and you get a couple of lads injured. Like you know, the champs could pass you by there fairly quickly. But uh, it's good to have games coming on though as well. You know, you don't want to be playing a game like the Allstur a couple of years ago. You play two games in April and then you don't play them for two or three months. So it's good to have the games back back in a way. But like that again, if you get injured, if you get injuries, then your your squad can get fairly light there at times.
0: Last year, you went up against St Mullins and it was a devastating one point loss. We spoke to the former manager, Owen Larkin, in regards to that. But does that give you heart now going into the, the fixture against St Mullins? Are they a different animal? I know, I think Marty is, is properly back now where he only came back for the final last year.
3: Yeah, no, look, we, we, we've had our ding dong battles there the last couple of years. It was kind of a finding it there, here and there. And obviously, they got a run on us this year. Um, so we'll be hoping that that doesn't happen again I'd be hoping like to get a performance like we had in the semi-final last year obviously a one-point defeat on the day was obviously devastating for everyone you know and like, this kind of thing of when you're that close on the day you want to be pushing on but unfortunately we came up short so no look we, we won't fear them anyway and we obviously won't let happen what happened in the first round uh, happen again so look we'll just we'll see what happens on the day and hopefully we'll be able to go one step further
1: Dion, you probably, in reality, would have known that you were going to be in a semi-final, irrespective of the opponent, from a while out. Was there ever a stage, even over the last couple of weeks and the last couple of rounds, where you were thinking ahead in terms of how you were kind of setting up, how you were resting players or maybe playing other players? Did that ever come into it, or did you just take it a game at a time?
3: Uh, was just took it a game at a time
2: because,
3: as I said, we had a few injuries, and we've had a couple of lads missing nearly every game, so... It wasn't a thing of, we we'd never had the luxury of resting players. To be honest, this year, it was more just get lads on the field and get whoever, whatever game time into lads. Um, but as you say, like, you you can say what you want, but like, lads will be targeting games. Like, you know, against Nave Breeze we said, right, look, we'll go out. We'll, get, we'll try to get a win. And obviously then, if you get the way the structure is now, if you get two wins, you have one foot in the semi-final. But uh, no, it was all systems go for ourselves. We wanted to put our own make our own, place in the semi final this year and obviously look we're 14 out of out of four teams gone through but look it's only a thing of just getting getting game time into lads and we're getting lads slow back slowly as the year goes on. So it's uh no, it's good to be in the semi final and have everyone fit for uh, for the weekend.
0: A lot of discourse around, say, last year's semi-final was the weight that Killen have had since winning the Carlos Senior Hurling Championship. You have to go back to 2001. I you know you had a few finals most recently against Mount Leinster Rangers. As the captain, do you bear that burden and take it personally almost, or is that kind of spread amongst the squad?
3: Uh, it is kind of spread because the likes of the I'll say, the older lads, like you South David English, say Craig, like, we would have been around for the zero-one one final, like, we would have just barely remembered Remember an, an awful rainy day against strangers, and we would have been taking part in the parade and stuff like that, but in fairness to the younger lads, like, they've grown up underage kind of winning titles and stuff, so it's kind of to turn it into senior level for them, lads, and then for us to kind of be able to say, oh, I remember when I was in the parade, but I remember when we won one ourselves, you know, so, in fairness the a lot of the younger lads kind of just take it in their stride, and there wouldn't be a thing said. Oh, we haven't won it in so long, or that and like that. It's just a thing of we need to kind of push on more than more than kind of a burden. To be honest,
0: yeah, and I I think that's probably something that is felt around all the clubs. Like you have to go back a long time when it was a team not named Mount Lester Rangers or Set Mullins winning the Carlo Senior Hurling Championship. And I know Town Gales or Eddie Scally who's jumping in there now. Like the, the, he even feels that as well. After they got to the final last year, they kind of. Need to break up this, not necessarily a monopoly, but needs to break up this balance of power.
3: Oh no, definitely! Like the 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 two Simulans and Rangers are probably a step ahead of ourselves and, and Bangston at the minute. Like, but it's up to the other teams to catch up to them. Like, in fairness, the the lads, the Simulans and Rangers have had lads with the county panel, and they've brought Carlo even to to, to great places as well. But a lot of those club men. But it's up to ourselves and, and Bagginson Gales to, to get to that level, to take the next step, to, to make, put our own stamp on the, the championship and not have that say, St. Mullins Rangers final the whole time.
1: And obviously now, Dion, you're heading into your first knockout game of the season because there's never been a game in reality. I know the Killing, or the Baggins Games Gales game rather, was obviously a battle for third place, but there hasn't been a game where you could potentially be knocked out of the championship. Does that take on a completely different edge in a life of its own, and will it be far more intense than anything both yourselves and St Mullins have seen so far this year?
3: I'd imagine so. Um, we'd be hoping, anyway, to take it up another notch ourselves. Um, uh, we've kind of said all year: look, first things first, get into semi-final, and then just uh, just take it from there and kind of up the intensity as much as we can obviously St Mullins will be doing the same thing so it's just up to ourselves then to match them and try to kind of outwork them around the middle and, uh, and try to get a decent ball into the forwards because we have a lot of pace in there so it's kind of up to, get, it's up to us to kind of get the ball into the lads and let the lads do their own do their own thing inside but uh, yeah no it'll be up to us to, to try and match St Mullins on the intensity around the pitch because as you said it's, it's the first knockout game of the year it's the first kind of really meaningful game you could say where you don't have a second chance so We'll be looking to, to up it all over
0: the field. And you're looking then at a very quick turnaround time frame from a semi-final to the final as well. And we know that kind of Town Gales maybe felt that after their epic clash with Mount Leinster Rangers in the semi-final last year going into the final. Like, it does seem like it's going to take a lot out of whatever teams manage to get to the semi-final. So what way do you prepare for that when you're training for the semi-final? Like... You can't go full hog because you have to have one eye, and then you might say the diplomatic thing and say we have to take a one game at a time.
3: Yeah, look, I'd rather be. I'd rather be wondering the, the Monday, or the Tuesday after this Will it be all right for the final? <laughs> um, I, am looking past it to be honest. Uh, Our players, no, we wouldn't. Wouldn't be looking towards the the week after at all. We'd be just going home now with the uh, next weekend with St. Mullins, we wouldn't be thinking next week at all. Uh, and as I said, yeah, we'd, we'd rather be wondering the following week going, uh, uh, are we going to train football next week or are we going down to to the hurling field? So that would be our view on it. Yeah.
0: Well, we're looking forward to it. No matter what is going to happen, it's going to be a thrilling end to the Carlos Senior Hurling Championship. Uh, a repeat, as we said, of last year's semi final. So you're all well accustomed to each other at this stage. May the best team win, Dion. Uh,
3: yeah. That's it. Like we all know each other. There's lots of lads on school and stuff together. So, um, it's all going home And look, hopefully we'll we we'll get over the line ourselves.
0: Dion, absolute gentleman. Thanks very much for talking to us today care Shane thanks very much thank you Dion Wall there the battling killing captain big games lined up here on KCLR next weekend Robbie from a sporting perspective it's going to be an absolute slobber knocker of games on the Carlos side of things and then of course on the Kilkenny side of things I think we're looking at a lot of live games hopefully to bring next weekend yeah. <laughs> Now you're very welcome back to Scoreline. I'm delighted to be joined by Leinster Camogie Chair Linda Kenny. Linda, how are you? I'm good, thanks Shane, and you? I'm very good. Thanks very much for taking the time to speak with us today. No doubt it's going to be busy on the Carlo Camogie side of things with the club championship starting tonight.
4: Um, yes, the championship commences this evening. Um, I suppose there has been a fever pitch for the last three weeks since the adult team exited the All-Ireland Series. And um we have a new sponsor on board this year, AZ Print, <clears throat> and the championship kicks off tonight just with uh the first game Alan Killing taking on my ship.
0: sorry Lily, you're mentioning the sponsorship as well. Like how integral is that to, to keep developing Carlo Comedy?
4: Oh look, all things, all sponsorship is very important for all organizations um and to be in a position to uh, promote to promote our game better. Um over the coming weeks and, uh, you know, to give a better showcase for our senior and junior championships. And uh, look, we've been very privileged over the years to have wonderful sponsorships involved in Carmel Ready from Reddys of Carlo and in the Sean Swan, Swan's Electrical, who sponsor our senior inter-county teams and underage county teams. So it was just a new uh, a new move to a new sponsor this year. And uh, we very much welcome, Jimmy and uh, Ger on board as our sponsor. And we hope uh, it can continue as a local business involved in print, uh, print, et cetera, that uh, it will give a new emphasis to the championships.
0: And you can see how it is paying dividends from a, a county level and what the, the girls and Peter Chapclair were able to accomplish this season.
4: Yes, very much so. Um, look, I suppose after the last two years, we would say that this year, while we may may have ended up in a relegation situation Uh, I think that could have possibly been avoided. Um, We definitely had what we would have said, what we set out with the start of the year when I would have met Chapwood, another member of the executive last December in the Lord Bagnell. We achieved what we wanted to achieve, win the league, get to Leinster final and hold our, our intermediate status. And I do think we had a number of key players who through no fault of their own had travel plans for the summer and were gone and were key players to our team that won the league And after a number of years of COVID, you can't blame any of those girls for taking the travel opportunities when they arrive. Uh, And then we had a number of key injuries as well. So, look, we're delighted to retain our intermediate status. I think we proved that against Dublin uh, with a comprehensive win that we are uh, probably a team that will, in the future, hopefully uh, be reckoned with at the intermediate grade.
0: And it's all happening then. It's all coming from the, the, the club level. Like, we've been talking to Carlo Town. Hurlan and Camogie team, and they talk about their little puckers initiative and getting people involved yeah. at a young age to go on and represent their club and then naturally, hopefully, represent their county. And it, it all starts then with the club once again. We mentioned Myshall versus Ballin Sunday's games, you have Nave Breed and Mount Leinster Rangers, while Set Mullins are going up against Muyne And then you have the junior championship going ahead too.
4: Yes, the junior championship is two games. Myshall are playing Nave Breed, I do believe and Kildare and Clonmel are playing Burn Rangers i suppose the most eagerly anticipated game in that in the senior would be the Mount Leinster Rangers near Breed match on Sunday morning um there's never very much between those teams um and they always bring out what's probably the best in each in each other and i do think that Mount Leinster Rangers will be coming off the success of last year's junior championship they will be i think and should be a different force this year in the championship series amount of work has gone down down in Mount Leinster Rangers and they have a very strong minor team again this year and won last year's minor championship so I would expect Mount Leinster Rangers uh, even though I know they're without some of their girls who are still away uh, I would hope I would see, hope and see that they would be a, <coughs> a stronger force in the senior uh, this time round
0: and uh, are you going to be able to make it to any games yourself now coming up
4: Um I hope to make some of the games on the ones on Sunday on the Sunday evening if I can at all. Um I've forfeited an all-Ireland football ticket to my daughter to ensure that I can get to hopefully see my own club play Kildabin and wow. That will be a local rivalry, local derby as well. Great work going on in both clubs. Uh the revival of hurling I think down in Kildabin as well in Kildavan and has ignited everything hurling camogie wise this year. And the number of people that are attending hurling matches where Kildavin are playing is immense. So I think that it has added to the Camogie uh, what has already been going on down there. So that should be an interesting game as well between Kildavin and Burn Rangers. I do believe that's in Kilbride on Sunday evening. So hopefully get to that and maybe get to one of the games on Sunday morning also.
0: And you're talking about adding into Camogie as well. Last year you ran the School of Excellence, um, kind of. It's returning now with another camp aimed yeah. at helping younger players in the county develop their skill and expand their knowledge. Now I know the deadline has just passed in regards to it, but it is still coming up. How have you found the response to that?
4: Um, yeah, no, we've had a good response. Uh, maybe not, maybe not the response that we were hoping for that we had last year. So I will say, if there's anybody listening, we are going to extend the deadline until Monday. At some stage on Monday. We have put together a really, really, really good uh, camp again this year. Uh, unfortunately, with the, we had a lot of funding to apply for last year from Leinster Camogie. It's not as much of that funding as is available this year. So we did have to add a cost. But we have wonderful coaches, some of our own intercounty players. players. Um, we also have a special guest, Craig Coffey, who is a strength and conditioning coach with the Carlow senior team that won the Joe McDonough. He will be with us on one of the days. We have Ellie McAvoy from Offaly, a nutritionist who was with the Offaly Under 20s team, and we also have Breege Nolan, one of our own from Carlow and Meath, who is going to be heavily involved in the coach um, in the course this year, in giving uh, Pilates and um, another uh, important hormonal health uh, seminar, which he is currently uh, doing as part of the Leinster Camogie, Camogie for teams across the province of Leinster. And the feedback from that has been phenomenal. Uh, so it's great to have uh, Bridge involved and uh, for her work that she's done over the last four weeks, travelling the length in front of Le- Leinster. So we're looking forward to that. And if anybody is interested or has a girl between 12 and 15 and thinks they are still going to be or will be available next week, drop us a line and we'll take in anybody up to Monday.
0: Brilliant. And these are going to head then from the 8th to the 11th of August, is it?
4: 8 to the
0: 11th of August in MLR pitch in Boris, yeah. Fantastic. As someone who's so heavily ingrained within Leinster Camogie and just Camogie in general, you're looking at the the All-Ireland Camogie Championship finals, uh, the Premier Junior, Clare versus Tip... The intermediate you have Derry versus Meath, On the senior kind of things you have Cork versus Waterford. Just from the senior perspective, obviously a huge fairy tale story for Waterford, but a bit disappointing not to see a Leinster team being competing in the final.
4: Yeah, no, I am. I have to say, for my final year, I'm disappointed that we don't have a Leinster team. Uh, but look, it is a fairy tale story for Waterford. But look, I'm going to be very straight. That's not a surprise to me. I since I became involved in Camogie and Carlow at uh, tw- 12 years ago now. We've had a very good and solid relationship with people in Waterford, and the work that has gone on in Waterford is something immense. And it's no surprise that they're in an All-Ireland senior final. <clears throat> yes, definitely disappointed. Actually, Kilkenny didn't make the the semi-finals or finals or final. But look, I suppose um, hopefully they will. They, they won't be too long till they're back. I do think they were unsettled from the start of the year, and as Brian said himself, he just found it hard to make the breaks and to get going this year but well, that's no its no reflection on kilkenny Um I'm sure that Kilkenny will be back. I would once say, on, on an overall thing for Kamogi, it's disappointing to see two Tier 1 counties in, in the Premier Junior final. For a county that won and had the honour of standing in Croke Park with a team in 2016, I think the Premier Junior needs to be about the Carlos, the Armaghs, the Westmeads, the Leashes, the Calaires of Kamogi, and not about a second team from a Tier 1 county. And look it probably will be one of the things that I will flag when we have our planning meeting for twenty twenty four and something that I will talk to the incoming chair of Leinster to consider Martin to consider, you know, looking at that because I don't think it's in the best interest of Camogie. Look, fair play to those counties. But I do think if tier one teams in the in those grades want to have second teams, they should be in competing in intermediate.
0: Yeah, I was just about to ask about the the would you Consider putting them into inter- intermediate, or would that be a reflection on, on the second teams in general competing at, at, at this stage? Because obviously, Kilkenny's intermediate team uh, compete on the intermediate side of things. But well, thanks yeah, for.
4: And I think that's fair that, that Kilkenny intermediate teams, and I know no one Kilkenny, Kilkenny intermediates would not want to be playing in Premier Junior. Now, I'm not saying that Tipperary want to be there, I know there's part of it of grading, etc., but I don't think it does much to promote the game of Camogie across the country. Um, and that's no reflection on Tipperary or on Clare. They've done serious work as well to be there and those teams. But it wouldn't be, it wouldn't have been great to have the Armaghs, the Commons, the cabins in Cope Park as well. Um, and I know I suppose we all have to work I aim towards being as good as those Tier 1 counties. But I think something has been lost there for us that we don't have an Armagh, a Roscommon, a cabin... An Antrim or somebody in Crowe Park in the Premier Junior. But look, that's part of the grading structure for this year. I do think that the reserves in the league worked, where the second teams were in the reserve competition and not in the first tier. So maybe that's something that we might look at going down the road for the championships.
0: Yeah, like even just from a Carlo perspective, looking at the Joe McDonough Cup and all look not a lean McCarthy kind of thing to have to see the joy that that's brought to Carlo GEA fans, Camogie fans, even LGFA fans to see the joy that's brought to the county in general was just tremendous. So, I, I
4: absolutely and look, I have no doubt in saying that the success of our team in 2016 was a major factor in where we are now today, mm. as well, uh, Shane. You know, and no one will ever forget that day of winning in Crook Park. Um, and I think the colour, the atmosphere, and the crowds that we brought as a team, you know, trying to win for the first time a major camogie title in Croke Park. The atmosphere, the colour, everything that they brought to the occasion was something unbelievable. And the same with um, Westmead the year they won. Same with Leash. Uh, and I do think even Armagh last year had a huge support. Now, I'm not saying there's not going to be support from Tipperary or Clare. not that not saying that for one minute. But I just think if you have a senior team in a senior All-Ireland Championship, I don't know that you're second team should be accommodated
0: in Premier Junior. Well, it's very interesting uh, topic of discussion. Linda, thank you ever so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Uh, no doubt you're going to be quite busy with the club championships just getting underway, um, but uh, really appreciated. And in terms of the chair of Leinster, Komogi, you're saying that you're stepping away within the next year, is it? Uh, the 14th of
4: January will be my last convention and I will hold the position on our call until April, but from the 14th, the new chairperson and that chairperson, Tuffa, is Martin Quilty from Titani, takes the role. Yeah.
0: So we know Martin well in here, anyway. No doubt. I'm sure you do. No doubt he'll be hitting you up on the Come On Kind podcast. Linda, thank you ever so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thanks, Shane. No bother. Thank you. Linda Kennedy, ladies and gentlemen. Bichel versus Ballonkillen tonight in Ballinkillen from half seven before the rest of the senior games in the Super Bowl. Nave Breed up against Mount Leinster Rangers and Bahana. You have St. Mullins against Muynveg. The junior championships going ahead also. Burn Rangers versus Kildavin, Cluny Gall, and Bichel versus Knave Lots more still to come here on Scoreline. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Scoreline. It's Shane O'Keefe joined by the wonderful Gary Keough who we regularly talk about all things Marble City Boxing. He tells us and regales tales of players playing in World Championships and European Championships. However, this is going to be about Gary because Gary has been selected as a coach for the Irish Schools team heading to the European Championship which takes place in Slovenia in August from the 15th to the 26th. First of all, Gary, congratulations.
5: Shane, thanks, a million. Thanks very much,
0: uh, Gary. It's, it's genuinely big news as well, um, especially considering your age. You're quite young, so what does this mean to you?
5: Yeah, look, it's, I, I suppose look, it's a, it's a phenomenal achievement, Shane. Um, you know, I suppose my my focus has always been on the boxers in our own club. Um, you know, I, I suppose it's it, it's a huge deal for the club to have a, you know to have a coach there at the European Championships to represent Ireland. Um, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for my own family. Um, you know, I suppose it all starts back to my grandfather back in the 1970s. He started the club and, you know, from there it just followed on. My, my uncle took over the club, my father took over the club and I kind of followed on suit. Um, it was always a dream. It was always a dream to kind of get to this level. Um, it, it, look, it's, a, it's a bit surreal now to, to be selected to actually go and, and represent Ireland as the coach over to the European Championships. It's up well taken our straight.
0: And um, uh, when you think of say Marble City boxing and you're telling us of the like I said, Finn Cantwell doing well and uh, and different people doing well within the club, I rarely thought of from a coaching perspective what that would actually mean. Like is this your trajectory, say, as a career, is where you want to be in terms of getting to say the school's levels, there's obviously going to be levels now over that. Is that what you see your trajectory?
5: Yeah, look, it's it's obviously something you aspire to, Shane. Um, I, I'd love to to continue on the on this trajectory and on the pathway to to going on to coach the juniors, uh, the youth, the elites, you know. And hopefully, look, the the ultimate aim at the end of it all is is Olympic game. I know that's you know that's well well down the road at the moment, but uh, I suppose you've got to start in the ladder somewhere. And you know, it's it's just an honour, an absolute honour to represent your country um, and to be heading to a major international tournament where you'll be competing against the very very best um, around you know that's look that's what that's what dreams are you know dreams are made of
0: and is there an ethos then within say Irish boxing as a whole i know marble city you'll have your own coaching methods now you're going to be dealing with people from various different clubs all around the the country so is there an ethos that will be Educated through Team Ireland, how are you going to find managing people that maybe aren't boxing the way you want them to box, even though the level of boxing that they're at is obviously elite?
5: Yeah. So uh, look, I, I suppose the way I've always kind of viewed the, the high performance setup, Shane, and going to these international tournaments is most of these boxers they have they've got their own merit, You know, they, they've they've won their their provincial, their national, their their national cadet competitions to get to this stage. So. There's nothing that I would do to change their style. You know, we are we are only as coaches, we're only facilitators. You know, we're there to try and help those boxers to excel and perform to their to their best. And um, so that means, you know, I suppose sitting down with the boxers, finding out, you know, what styles they like, what styles they don't like. So we we've been in Dublin over the last couple of weeks in high performance. And, you know, we've been working with the boxers, getting to know them on a more personal level, uh finding out, you know, what what gets them going in the ring, uh, you know, the styles that they prefer to box. And, you know, we'll try and help those we won't change their styles, you know, that we'll will adopt the same style that they've they've done to get to this level. And so we'll just try and help them uh, a small bit more as they go on through the competition.
0: And with the other coaches then that you're with, like obviously you're going to be all singing off the same hymn sheet. You have the likes of uh, Lim McInerney, Aoife Hennigan, Paul Simpson, and then you have some managers as well. So is is the manager kind of like the hierarchy and they're putting it down to you or are you kind of left to your own devices?
5: Yeah, so the, the managers will be looking after the draw. Um, so they'll be going into the, the technical official meetings and that. Um, they'll be there for the draw at the European Championships. Um, it'll be left down to the coaches then so look we, there is a good coaching team there um, we, we'd all know each other um, we'd all know each other fairly well from coming up and competing against each other with our clubs in national championships and different competitions around Ireland um, so we, we all know each other's strengths um, and we, we, and we complement each other well so up in high performance obviously we've been working up there for the past five weeks um, coaching there's, 30, there's 36 odd boxers up there in high performance training every, every Saturday and Sunday So we've been up there for the last couple of weeks uh, getting to know each other better, getting to know the boxers better and firstly we'll fly out now to Poland for a training camp, a multi-nations training camp on the 8th of August. So we'll be away to Poland for five days from the 8th to the 12th, we'll come back then and then we'll be heading straight from, from Dublin to Slovenia.
0: And I know yourself, you're always wanting to be competitive, say from a Marvel City perspective, when you're going internationally, you're over in the Hull Box Cup and different things like that. Should we expect Ireland to be quite competitive in this?
5: Oh, absolutely. Look, there, there's no doubt about it. Ireland are always there or thereabouts when it comes to these competitions. Um, and I expect no different with this team. I think they're a very, very talented bunch of kids. Um, and, and we'll do everything we can uh, to try and get them as far in the competition as possible.
0: And in terms of uh, Marble City boxing, then uh, no one represented on the European Schools team. But would we be looking at people being in contention for that? What way was it decided who's representing Ireland?
5: So the, the way it was re- uh, so the way it was decided was uh, the June the National Junior Cadet uh, Championships took place in uh, June. Now obviously we we had a, a girl ourselves, Sarah Johnson. She was on forty. She was picked at the post on a split decision and um, the girl that actually beat her went on to stop her opponent in the final and she was selected on the European. So look, very, very close. It, it could have gone either way. But um, it was kind of, it was, it was a spur of the moment thing, Shane, to be honest with you. Um, there was an awful lot of talk that there was no one going to the European Championship. Um, and it, it, all, it all transpired after a meeting in Dublin with the Central Council that if there was no Russian and Belarusian athletes at the competition, that Ireland would send a team. Um, so that, that's how it kind of came about. Um, so it was was short notice but look I'm delighted for the boxers because they've worked hard to get to this stage um, and they deserve the opportunity to represent their country
0: and you were talking about kind of being pipped to the post when uh, Rosie Eccles bet Amy Broadhurst in kind of an Olympic qualification fight, Amy has come out and said it's not over yet though, she's looking to still go to the Olympics kind of shunning the whole pro aspect of it Uh, do you think that's a, a good choice because is she looking at moving weight classes now to pursue the Olympic dream? I don't
5: know if she'll move. I, I doubt she'll move weight classes because obviously Kelly Harrington has qualified herself at 60 kilos. So the Olympic weight is 66. So I'd imagine she'll have to stay there at 66. Um, now, you know, I suppose Rosie Eccles would be, she'd be one of the toughest competitors that she would get um, on the qualification route. So she she be one of the strongest competitors on day one. Um, so I'm sure she has a good. she has a good chance. She has a good chance when she goes to the World Championship qualifiers Obviously, when you go to the World Championship qualifiers, you just don't know. You know, you, know, you, you could meet absolutely anyone. Um, but I do think it is a good, a good idea to stick in the amateurs. Um, the professional game, it's a very, very tough game. And you know, I, I suppose the more successful you are as an amateur, the better you set yourself up with your professional contracts. So um, I think it would be a good idea if she was to qualify for the Olympic Games. Absolutely, then maybe have a look at the professional game. Um, but for the moment, I'd stick and I I'd, I'd see out the the Olympic cycle first.
0: Yeah, the professional game seems to be gone a bit mad. Now we've talked about the kind of, the the YouTube boxing stuff and and all that, and obviously there was a controversy around. Uh, Casey Taylor fighting in Ireland and where that would happen. And then you have Tyson Fury not going up against Alexander Usyk, but instead fighting former UFC champion Francis Ngannou. It just seems like there's a big circus. I know there's always a big hullabaloo about big main event boxing, but it just seems like there's a big circus surrounding it at the moment.
5: There is, yeah. There's, a, there's an awful lot of it. Like, I suppose the YouTube boxing has, has taken the sport by storm. Um, there seems to be more and more of it going on. I suppose at the very beginning, I thought it was more of a once-off um, with the Jake Pauls and KSI's. I thought they'd have their one fight and they'd go back to kind of doing their digital creations on YouTube and that. But uh, I suppose they're they're making money from it, and you know, it's it's getting people, it's getting people paying for tickets. So um, the circus kind of continues on, and obviously, Look Tyson Fury he's achieved what he's achieved in boxing, so he kind of can make these big calls and go off and fight kind of whoever he wants. Um, I'd much prefer to see him, you know, fighting against uh, the professional world champions, you know, and trying to have unification fights. Um, But that man, I'd say now, with myself, Shane, he's, uh, he can be difficult to control at the best of times, I'd say, so whatever he says he wants, uh, his management can go along with it.
0: Yeah, because, like, you know, there was obviously the Joshua fight to a lesser extent, I and mean, Ruiz was was... What people wanted, but the Usyk fight is guaranteed. Main event box office, it just seems like there's a bit of money left on the table there.
5: Yeah, look, it's, it's a fight I'd really, really like to see because I, I do think it will be a very interesting fight. Um, it's like we always say, a styles make fight. Uh, you've got Alexander Usyk there, and he's the absolute technician. Um, punch perfect displays the box, and he puts in Tyson Fury, six foot nine, 290 pounds, you know and it's just kind of a david versus goliath story um, but it it would be so it would catch it would catch the the audience's attention so well um, to see that and see how it plays out personally myself i think that tyson fury might be just a small but too big for him uh, physically too big but you just never know you never know in the heavyweight division uh, one punch can change a fight
0: and to be in say somewhere like madison square garden or wembley stadium we're indeed now fighting in the likes of saudi arabia everyone has to walk through a gym and they walk through gyms like Marble City Boxing, and that's where they start their adventure. In terms of what's happening this year with Marble City Boxing, obviously great news in regards to you, but what's coming up in the year for your youthful athletes?
5: Yeah, so look, we, we've had a, a fantastic year, Shane. Um, this this has been by far our most successful year as a club. Um, we had eight boxers qualify for the national championships coming through the province. Uh, we had seven boxers reach the national finals, uh, five national champions. Um, which was just look, it's un- unbelievable for the club. And um, we've gone to three different international box cups, winning the best team in Portugal, uh, bringing eleven boxers over, winning seven gold. And um, we were over in Hull there just last month, and we managed to take away four gold from that competition as well, from seven boxers. Uh, so you know the club, the club is absolutely thriving at the moment. One, one of the things that we've we've really been happy with over the last while is our female participation in the club. Um, you know, we for a long time we had no females in the club, and I suppose boxing was the kind of sport that uh, parents didn't really want to see girls involved in, mm. um, because you know it was a, a violent sport. But that's over the last while that has changed. You know, the perceptions of boxing has changed. Um, it's a skill, it's an art, and um, they're taught. You know, they're taught more than just boxing. They're you know self self discipline, respect, you know, confidence. We've seen a couple of people come into the club. And they'd be very, very shy. Um, They wouldn't really talk to anyone. But within six, seven months, they're transformed into a different person. Um, And, and, you know, that's part and parcel of boxing. It does more than just, you know, learning a sport. It does more for the individual themselves. So the club has absolutely been flying. Um, And it's only going to get bigger and better um, from this season onwards. So we start back uh, towards the end of August. So our registration night uh, will be... Probably on the twenty. I think it's the Monday, the twenty-first of August.
0: Um, it rolls around quickly, doesn't it?
5: Yeah, it's coming very quickly. Look, we only we only basically finish up one season, we're straight back into another, um, and I suppose that's the way the boxing calendar has gone. And it's credit to the club; um, it shows the success of the club that we're involved in every competition all year round. It's, it's one time boxing used to be kind of a seven or eight month sport. It's gone twelve months now. Um, so it's, it's it's been really busy, really hectic. Um, but the new season will kick off towards the end of August. Um, and then we have the Marble City League. We'll kick back in September. That, last year we had over 500 fights in 14 nights. Uh, we had English clubs, we had Scottish clubs coming over, um, and we had clubs from all over Ireland. So it, it's, really, it's really growing, um, it's outgrowing itself, to be honest. Um, this year that will kick off. We have 26 English clubs registered to come from September to January. We then have a couple of box cups. We have the Wexford Box Cup in November followed in by our provincial championships Um, we have our training camps in Scotland we have our international trips in Hull, Portugal uh, Poland different places so it's all go for the club Um, and anyone that wants to come down all our registration details will be on the Facebook page over the next couple of weeks Um, so anyone that wants to get down make sure and have a look at the the social media channels because I'm afraid once the club is full there's no no more space we had over 180 registered members in the club last year um, but that's up from just to put it into perspective, in 2016 we had 47 members, wow. uh, just this season gone with 185, so huge increases.
0: Brilliant, well it sounds absolutely like you're doing really well down from a club perspective and then from your own personal perspective. Once again, congratulations on being selected to coach at the European Championships, Gary. It's a, It's a huge honour, no doubt, and I'm looking forward to chatting to you once you get back, maybe with a few medals.
5: Hopefully, hopefully. Thanks a million for that, Jan.
0: Thanks very much. Gary Kyo, absolute gentleman from Marble City Boxing, being selected as a coach for the Irish schools team at the European Championship happened from August the 15th to the 26th. Always a gentleman to talk to. Lots more still to come here on Scoreline. Don't go anywhere. Now, Welcome back to Scoreline I'm delighted to be joined by Irish sailor Finn Lynch who has been named by Irish sailing as part of a team of seven sailors who will compete in the 2023 Alliance Sailing World Championship in The Hague taking place from the 10th to the 20th of August The regatta is the first of three opportunities for Ireland to qualify for next year's Summer Olympic Games Finn, how are you feeling sir?
6: I'm good thanks um, Exciting couple of weeks coming up this is the biggest regatta in the Olympic cycle, um, besides the Olympics itself. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm I've been waiting for it for a long time, and I'm excited to get going.
0: We know before the French Olympic week that you were kind of been hampered by a reoccurring wrist injury. How are you feeling physically?
6: Physically, feeling really good. Um, the the injury kind of um anything that bad anything bad that happens in sport always has a silver lining um and it kind of led me to basically get way more into my strength and conditioning training um and i'm feeling better than ever
0: and in the build up then to that i know that you were probably not as uh, pleased even though 10th place at the european championship is certainly credible you might not have been as pleased with your performance due to the injury How are you now feeling coming straight into this?
6: Um, Yeah, I'm feeling a lot better than at the early part of the season. Mm. Um, Last week, I competed in the pre-Olympics, which is basically a drive run of the Olympics next summer. Um, And I was close to the medals, back up where I want to be at the top of the fleet. Um, So, yeah, I'm feeling really good.
0: Has it been difficult considering that there isn't a the traditional four-year gap between olympics obviously tokyo taking place in 2021 has it been a more of a condensed schedule or is it much the same um not
6: much has changed really we're just trying to get better every day and trying to create a schedule that we think is going to work um for us so that we can basically improve quicker than everybody else on the olympic circus Um, The one thing that has changed with the condensed cycle is that the qualification will be close together. Um, So the second chance to qualify for the Olympics is in January and then in, uh, I think, April next year will be the third chance. So it's all going to come very fast now in the next couple of months.
0: And would you be hoping then that you're putting yourself in, obviously I'd imagine, in great stead when you're coming up? To the Salem World Championship in The Hague. Realistically, like what are you personally setting out to achieve?
6: Um, I'd like to get a medal at the Worlds. Um, I came second at the Worlds. Um, so I'd like to replicate uh that performance. Um there's 17 spots available um for the Olympics, or 17 spots um to to be qualified at the Olympics. So 17 nations will get a We'll get a spot um but yeah I'm aiming high and then um hopefully the qualification will take care of itself
0: yeah you you're talking about meddling at it like you won silver uh, medal at the world championship at the laser world championship in Barcelona which was the highest ever Irish result at this level so you're certainly one of the main contenders for an Irish charge when it comes to Getting medals when it comes to Olympic qualification—do you feel that burden on your shoulders at all?
6: No, I think it's—I think it's exciting. I mean, my whole career, I've been looking forward to getting a, a medal at the Olympics. That's why I do this. Um, Annalise Murphy getting a silver medal in the Rio Olympics was kind of paving the way, and she's a close friend of mine. And um, I want to get that result for myself uh, this time around
0: You mentioned Annalise, and you're going back to Rio in 2016. Before that, you have to go back to 1980. You're looking at David Wilkins, Jamie Wilkinson in the Flying Dutchman in Moscow. In in terms of the wait from 1980 to 2016, is the feeling amongst Irish sailing that it's not going to be that long of a wait to get the next medal?
2: Um,
6: I'm I'm not sure what the feeling in. uh in the Irish sailing wider community is. Um, but I know within the performance team that uh, we're here for medals. Um, I know that uh, the 49er guys, the two-person boats, um, have shown performances that they're capable of uh, winning a medal at the Olympics. Um, Eve, the, who sails the ladies, uh, Ilka boats has uh is like she's a serial winner she won everything in youths and uh she showed last week at the pre-olympics that she's close to uh, making getting a breakthrough performance in the senior fleet. um and yeah obviously myself uh, having gotten a medal at a world championship so i'm definitely capable of getting a medal at the olympics um so it's really exciting time for our sailing
0: it certainly sounds like it. When when it comes to actually being in France, how acquainted are you with the with the waters there? I know that you're over in Mexico, I believe, last year. There might be different styles that you might have to utilize. How acquainted would you be if you do end up getting to the Olympics?
6: Yeah, I've spent a lot of time there in um, in 2021. Actually, when the Olympics were happening in Tokyo, I was already on the water in Marseille. And um, checking out the venue so um and then last summer and this summer as well i've spent uh months out there preparing on the water so if the olympics were tomorrow i'd be prepared um so it's just uh refining the skills we need to perform at that venue over the next 12 months um, to put our best foot forward for the games
0: and obviously at kclr we love stating carlos sailor finn lynch the benny kerry native how does a man from a landlocked county get involved in, in, in such a huge kind of sport at such a high level:
2: um,
6: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, my dad when I was growing up, my dad was living in, so we'd go to spend the weekends with him and then we'd be on lessington. Um, so I have him to thank for getting me into the sport. And my two older brothers were both the uh, competitive sailors before me. Um, my eldest brother, Ben, did an Olympic campaign for London. Um, he didn't make it, but he's had a successful career in professional sailing after that. And then the, my other brother, Rory, was also on the Irish sailing team. Um, so it was kind of, it was from as long as I can remember, it's all I have wanted to do was get to the top of the sport Um and uh, yeah, it's cool that I'm I'm here now, um, but I need to grasp the opportunity I have in front of me and and try uh, make some more history for Irish sailing and Carlo Carlo uh, get the first Olympic medal for a Carlo sailor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's it's brilliant to hear. Um, Finn, I won't take up too much of your time. I know that you're going to be inundated with this type of chat, but in regards to the 2024 Olympics, you stated that you started training for that while Tokyo was going on. Do you have one eye set then on L.A. in 2028? Um, I have,
6: uh, just, I've thought about it. I'm not 100% sure if I'm going to do an Olympic campaign. Um, I'm just giving everything I have to this campaign. And then, uh, I need to reassess and see, um, see if my girlfriend will allow me to spend four more <laughs> years traveling the world. Um, Uh, I'm sure she will. But um, yeah, no decisions made yet.
0: Well, Finn, uh, thank you very much for speaking with us here at KCLR. Best of luck in the Allianz Sailing World Championships. Hopefully, you'll be able to do as proud and uh, get to the crescendo of what it is that you do in the Olympics. Finn, thanks very much.
6: Thank you very much.
0: That's been Scoreline Extra. You can catch the show live from two to six every Saturday and Sunday. And for more sporting action, join us on Friday and Monday from six to seven with our hosts Robbie Dowling and Martin Quilty. For now, I've been Shane O'Keefe. Stay safe, stay sane, and remember, you're sound out.